0: Hey, everybody, this is your host, Matt Castellini, and welcome to Chicago Capital. Hey. Dip, thank you so much for joining us on Chicago Capital. It's a pleasure to have you here and a pleasure to have another Chicago Booth a student on the show. Thank you for having me, Matt. It's a pleasure. <laughs> I will let you take it away I think we'd all love to hear about you know sort of the overview of neural trend and what you guys are working on
1: yeah absolutely Matt neural trend is, is the word neural trend comes from cognitive neural networks let's start there okay so we are a tech heavy company that's putting a lot of effort towards revamping the retail industry and if you don't know this already, there's a huge disruption in the retail industry post-COVID. Most retailers are scrambling to overhaul their business model and adopt new technology faster than before. There are specifically three areas where retailers are investing most. Supply chain logistic, in-store retail tech, and e-commerce. And Neural Trends serves the supply chain of the business using big data and AI you know we we believe that all decisions that retailers take upstream is what leads to their success downstream you know so upstream decisions like smart data driven inventory selection or product designs by retailers and brands and quick site placements are key to the downstream success it reduces merchandise reorder cycle and it increases customer conversions and we have seen again and again how this strategy lowers cost of operations and increases margins significantly.
0: I, I think it's fascinating. And I think anyone who's uh, ordered a couch uh, in the last year can definitely attest to the supply chain challenges that uh, retailers are, are experiencing right now. And I'm not sure if that's exactly the problem area you guys are focusing on. But to that end, I would love to hear how you came across this problem and you know why you decided to choose this venture as you know the next stop in your career.
1: Yeah, yeah. I come from a technology and predictive data modeling world. I spent over 15 years uh, in the industry honing that skill with very very little insights into retail space until three years ago when I was approached by a general manager of a nonprofit organization in India that helps immigrants from Bangladesh and Myanmar to resettle and educate them and provide them with community-run job opportunities. And what they were doing was they were teaching these individuals to make handcrafted goods and then sell those goods to West European countries and sometimes local in India. And he wanted me to help him explore the U.S. market. Uh, he just happened to know my family and he just wanted some help. Initially, I had absolutely no idea where to start. I had just joined Chicago Boot School of Business and I had no knowledge in the industry. So I didn't even know how I could help him, but I I went out asking people. You know, I just started asking people and interviewing a lot of retailers and brands on how they do it, and I I got so much into it. that I started I quit my job and I started doing it full time, like asking people all these questions. So weird. So I learned a lot, but I what I don't think I was able to help this particular nonprofit too much. I was only able to hook them up with a reseller partner here in the United States, and they're doing okay, but COVID hasn't been very kind to them, literally, yeah. But during my interviews, you know, I learned how only 20% of the products that retailers carry cover 100% of the inventory, and they end up losing, and the industry almost ends up losing $300 billion in just inventory selection. And with COVID, things got really worse. You know, however, there are some I, I came across some really new smart business models that were evolving during the time, and that was 2018 and 2019. And COVID actually gave a boost to these business models. And now I see a huge market potential in this new generation retail sector. They're more data-driven and they're more tech driven, and they believe in numbers. More than just gut feelings to support their merchandising decisions.
0: So, what size retailers are you all working with? Is it large retailers? Is it national ones? Is you know what's kind of your ideal customer profile? I guess.
1: Yeah, we we are uh, purposefully avoiding the large ones. You know, they're very hard to crack and long business cycles. That's not we 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 have two kind of businesses. Let's output it. They're usually mid-sized retailers. And brands, they're data-driven, they have shorter inventory reorder cycles, and they actively seek digitizing their business, you know, and technology is core to their business model. As a good example, you know, there are a lot of fab-based or Amazon-based businesses that are coming in the market that are more data-driven, and they use those data insights to even buy products and buy, buy brands even. Uh, for their own uh, internal business purpose, so these are some of the idle customers.
0: And where I know you, you're using artificial intelligence, so you're obviously training these models on you know large swaths of data. Where are you guys getting that data from? Is it from the clients you're working with directly, or how are you sort of building out those those algorithms? Yeah,
1: to answer that, you know, first let me explain what Neurotrend does and how we actually help. So Neurotrend is a SaaS-based platform that provides real-time recommendations to fashion brands and retailers to help them with smart inventory selection, identifying high-demand geography for every product that they carry for a quick placement, and increase customer conversation conversions. And it is very simple to use. If you literally know how to use an email or ever browse the web in the past, you
0: can easily use, easily use the platform. I'm pretty technologically, you know, inept i might find a way to mess that up so i don't know dip you gonna (laughs) be careful with that disclaimer
1: although it's it's pretty easy to use uh we we actually build the product with the customers not you know in our garage so it's all customer uh the workflow and the design so far has been all customer driven rather than product driven or engineer driven so that's one our the our, the core of our product lies on two things. One is the source of our data. as you, as you just asked, we actually looked we actually pull about 750,000 to 1.2 million new data points every day. Uh, so our algorithm goes to our data sources. They're usually social media, e-commerce channels, various blogs, articles, you know, various fa- fashion sites, and we there are lots of and there are also you know other you know ip uh, data sources and we collect all these data from different sources in real time and we run them across a model that detects the images the hashtags the te- product text and they recognize it and they categorize and classify it accordingly and they do it all in in real time and they come up with some actionable insights that can be taken by the customer at the moment, you know. So that's the fun part. If that
0: makes what sense. Makes yeah, I'm curious, what kind of actionable insights are they usually garnering? Is it, you know, what product lines to to continue building out to, you know, invest more money into or to maybe discontinue? I mean, what what are kind of the insights that I can expect to get if I'm a user of the of the product?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we have customers from different Market segment. So uh, let me talk about this one customer who who actually wanted to get into Costco and Walmart and sell their white level athleisure product, and they were using this platform to figure out you know with, which products would be most is most wanted by the customers in the local local region where that Costco was located and uh, or that Walmart was located. Now how to how to convince uh, the merchandisers of Costco and Walmart to accept this, accept their white label product. So that was one, and they actually got in to both of them, in fact, using this insight. That's one. And then we also have a, have a retailer who, who are, who's also a brand, and they wanted to figure out which of the SKUs they should market today to target their customer base. So how can they maximize a product that is very trending to customers specific to their business? not just in the market so they if we give a high confidence saying hey this product if you send this product to these customers within your portfolio the likelihood of selling that product is very high and our outcome was 215% for uh, this particular retailer/brand however which I should also mention they were a small they were a small company so this growth was significant. If if the company is really big, then it might not be two hundred and fifteen percent; it might be much lower.
0: If I am a potential customer, customer of yours, listening to this right now, what can I expect from a pricing standpoint? Is you know, you mentioned it's a SaaS type solution, so I'd imagine there is tiered pricing. But what are sort of the different you know packages that I can purchase as a retailer?
1: Yeah, it it, it so this is the, one of the key differences that we had. Between, for our, from our competitors when we came to the market, we wanted to make sure that this product is accessible to most retailers so we priced it accordingly. Our price can completely depends on the size of the business it all depends on how many brands you carry how many products you carry and but we we don't have a flat fee or any of that thing it's just how many sKUs you carry and we 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 provide service based on that and we price based on that.
0: How did you go about getting your MBA and running this company full time? What was that like for you, that process for you? How did Booth sort of help you along the journey? And what were some of the challenges maybe of doing both at the same time? Wow, great question. Let me put it in a way
1: it makes sense. If Booth didn't help, this business wouldn't have happened. So I I, I actually gave a lot of credit to the Booth students, faculties, Polsky Center to Bring the business and help me where I am today. I would actively g- reach out to various professors at Booth and just ask, like, how is what am I is that what I'm doing is right or wrong, or if there are other options that I'm I'm overlooking sometimes. And they would take my call any day, whether I've taken a class with them or not. Period. So there, I I come from a tech background. This is my um, second startup right now. And uh, yeah, and I I don't think it, it would have gone better otherwise if it wouldn't have been for Booth.
0: That's what I've always wondered about. There's the conversation today about accelerators, getting your MBA, you know, especially obviously when you have a startup. And I've always wondered about that process of being a student. And you're making decisions about the strategy of your company and the future of your company and pricing and market segmentation. And I've always wondered, you know, is there scenarios where where you learn something amazing in a class, you know, a Scott Meadow class, and you immediately went back to the business and said, okay, like, this is actionable. I can actually implement this into my strategy at my company today.
1: Absolutely, Matt. I was, you nailed it in the head here. So one of the things we did from Scott Meadow's CI class, for example, I'm a big fan of his, by the way, big fan of his, and he uh, he actually taught me how to look into accelerated growth for the business with his CI model and and his unit model, and and it really gave me an insight on if I if I raise capital, which I am, by the way, how much I should be raising and what is the probability probability of us, of the success of me personally and for my investors, and it it basically. You know, I, I worked with a team of students and also Scott helped a lot too. Uh, and we, we came up with this whole structure that was very easy to digest for me and lay out everything for both for me and for my future investors.
0: And you went through the Polsky Accelerator last year, right? I did. I
1: went through Polsky
0: Accelerator. I went through NVC
1: and I also went through Polsky Incubator. I was like, I have, I'm so, so grateful to the University of Chicago for giving me all that opportunity.
0: So while you've been in business school, you've been you know, running this startup. I'm curious about the traction you all have seen to date.
1: Yeah. One of the key things about being in the retail industry, COVID wasn't very kind. And if anyone says otherwise, yeah, that's not true. So COVID wasn't very kind 2020. Even early 2021 wasn't very nice to the industry, okay? But the second quarter since second quarter of 2021, we are getting a lot of wind behind our back and uh, I'm currently you know trying to figure out with all these uh, projects uh, that we are queuing up if I have enough resources if I can manage enough resources to, to, to manage that many you know services uh, at the same time. so traction has been growing uh, at, uh, at a higher pace Q2 2021 versus 2020. But hindsight, 2020 is when we spent a lot of time building relationships in the industry. So the fo- folks were mostly home and they had access to Zoom. We had access to Zoom. So and they, we would just give them a call and talk to a lot of customers and folks from the industry, learn from them, build relationship with them. So 2020 was where we spent a significant time building those relationships and that is coming to fruit this year
0: at the beginning of the pandemic covid was obviously terrible it was a tragedy for for many businesses but in some ways uh, it did propel some industries forward i'm curious for you all at neural trend was there a moment at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 when you were first you just terrified about the prospects for your startup in the future and and not really certain what was going to happen? And did that change into, oh, actually, this could present a very, you know, big opportunity for us? This actually has exposed a lot of the problems that were dorm, you know, were in this industry and um it led to these relationships being started. Just curious about how that, you know, dynamic. Transpired, or how that situation transpired for you at the beginning of the pandemic?
1: Yeah, so it wasn't. It wasn't very. How do I say? It was a little scary. 20, end of twenty nineteen. I'll be honest. We we had about twelve. Just as a startup, we had we just had uh, you know twelve small mom and pop shops here in Chicago. We were working with, and you know, as soon as COVID hit, hundred percent of their shut of them shut down. Okay, so it was it was a little bit of panic there. No, no doubt, you know. Then, but what it did was it helped us to look further into who these new customers would be for for NeuroTrend, and they weren't the mom and pop shops anymore at that point. They, we started seeing a lot of D two C companies pop up. At the same time, they weren't growing very fast uh, during COVID. They were trying, still trying, struggling to understand how the supply chain would. Look like what we call in our industry is moving the business from the needle to the customers. So many of the new businesses were customer centric versus design centric. So we've discovered all those new customer segments during the COVID, and it wasn't a straight line to be honest, Matt. Like you know, there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of learning curve for us. And finally, uh, post like COVID is not over yet, but we're as we get closer to the end of COVID, we are seeing a lot more stable businesses right now um, that has a higher demand for technology and technology like Neural Trend. And this is really running in our favor. Before we actually had to explain to customers what we are doing, now folks are reaching out to us and they know exactly what we are doing and they want it. So that's that's the advantage we have right now.
0: People are reaching out to you, you know, so you have less of sort of an outbound educational sort of component to this, where you have to explain to potential customers why this is valuable. On that note, I'm curious about how you are viewing the total addressable market. How big is this opportunity? Could you maybe quantify it for the folks at home and how big you see this this sort of this opportunity for for Neural Trend?
1: Absolutely. From the passive research we do, we constantly do, do our passive research from you know all the different resources we got at Booth. Uh, it's a it's it's a period it's a retail taken on average is 20 billion dollar market with 24% cagr year over year right so the market is big okay and like i told you about the problem statement of 300 billion dollar gap and loss in the market it has grown during the covid time so there was a lot of need for this but to put everything to the to put everything into into something that is really you can see and you can think about is how investors are putting money into this sort of technology in the space we are in. So I, I just attended a CB Inside State of Retail Tech last week, and we saw that there have been three times more investments in 2021 compared to last three years, with over 66 hundred million plus in single mega rounds just last quarter. So you can imagine how fast this market is growing. So I, we believe this is a very good market to be right now.
0: What's the competitive landscape look like as well? It's such a huge market, so it's, it doesn't seem like it's got the makings of a winner-take-all. Uh, I could be wrong, but what does your competitive landscape look like today?
1: Yeah, so uh, we we do have competitors in the space, and we actually see it as a good sign. You know, um, uh, We are seeing uh, more and more folks come into the space since the last two years, I would say. But we have identified three or four that are more interesting to us, like Trendalytics, Analytics, HeroTech, Vue AI. We are very well positioned against them. Product wise, our algorithm looks into millions of data points every day, and our models can predict successful outcomes between 65 to 82% of times, depending on the inventory turnover of the customers. None of our co- competitors can claim that. Also, currently focus on customers' ROI closely and tied back into our service without any interruption. So most of the customers, I we started to realize, they struggled to find out how to measure their own ROI from a solution like ours. So we helped them up front to build that strategy and show them use cases and also show them you know, simulations of what it would look like. So our competitors don't do that. But they're there, and they're also doing a good
0: job. What do you view as kind of the six to twelve month product roadmap for Neural Trend? What are some of the next stages of the company's growth cycle in your mind?
1: Yeah, our you know we have been building the product alongside our customers our prospects or and pilots for fairly a year and a half now, and we are fairly this product has gotten fairly stable in some ways. However, our Look into our our product features. It's not the product features per se, but more on taxonomies. So, labeling of products. For example, if uh, we just learned that we did not include uh, leather category in our in our product base, and we wanted to add uh, leather taxonomies. So, increase our next in the product map. We are adding more and more taxonomies and more and more brands, and uh, that uh, that makes our outcomes more solid and we have higher confidence in our outcomes as we as we move forward.
0: And you mentioned at the top, I believe, fundraising. So it sounds like you're actively fundraising. Uh would love would love to hear more information about, you know, how that's going and, and what you guys are looking for in capital partners. Yeah. We are very blessed
1: that uh University of Chicago has invested in Eurotrend. We are currently raising two point five million as part of our next two year runway. And we're inviting pre-seed and seed investors to join the team.
0: So do you think you'll look for VCs in the Midwest? Are you looking nationally, you know, expanding your geographic reach? How are you guys viewing sort of, you know, your ideal capital partner from that lens? To be honest, you know, Chicago
1: is home. My wife and I moved here from LA 10 years ago, and we have a kid and we, we live in the city. And it's for us, Chicago is, is home. We would prefer to have investors here in chicago but yeah we are raising from all around the country but we love to be in chicago so having more chicagoans in the team would
0: be. i always love asking founders this question but you know you're very embedded in the chicago ecosystem you know you're at booth so so you're definitely involved in that community but how would you view the overall chicago startup ecosystem how how do you think it's growing and it's progressing
1: I, I got introduced to Chicago Startup Ecosystem back in 2014, um, and I started, everything started at 1871, and then got introduced to Booth, Polsky, and many smaller accelerator programs here in Chicago. I would say Chicago has, startup has boomed over the last five, six, seven years, and um, We are seeing uh, more and more tech companies pop out of Chicago, which is great. Love that part. You know, there's there's two sides to the startup. There's just, you know, also the feeling of being at home as well as being hustling and doing all that in Chicago is amazing.
0: I've heard nothing but good things about the 1871 program. I Most of the founders I've interviewed graduated that program or are going through that program right now to the point where I've interviewed so many people from 1871. I'm thinking I deserve a podcast studio in 1871 or at Booth. I mean, Booth should just figure it out. And I think I should just be allowed to go podcast somewhere on campus. What are you going to do? Maybe <laughs> next year. We'll see. Maybe next year. Um, yeah. dip this has been incredible i'd like to finish it off by just touching a little bit on the team at neural trend you know who else do you have working on the project you know i know tina's one of them shout out tina but uh, i'd love to hear about the overall the overall team matt this is not a one person's game like i'm <laughs> i'm a, just a
1: facilitator at here at uh, neural trend you know it, uh, an idea doesn't make it big okay it's the idea is execution it's the team it's the people it's a commitment L- a lot of things going there. So Tina is my business partner, and we have another business partner, co-founder um, Hoy, who's our CTO, and he's the one building all the model. Uh, and he comes from uh, he, he. Interestingly, Hoy's family owns an apparel manufacturing plant back in China, and um, you know they used to sell to Macy's and Nordstrom. So he's very familiar with the with the with the service. Other than the management team, you know that we. We, we had to be conscious of two things. It was very, very important to us, Matt. One, I, we, ha- we wanted uh, a thing that the team has to be very diverse. Uh, that, that was one of the core things that we, we had to ensure, whether it's the management team, whether it's the employee base, whether it's our investment team. So if it's not diverse, we are not adding full value to the team. To, to the to the business, to the service, to each other. So we do have a very good initial M- employee base and interns from other schools. We also have someone in the team from MIT and CBS working on the product. Uh, we also have advisory board members Ruth and Penny and Joe. Ruth, uh, Ruth is the ex ex president of Lord and Taylor. And uh, Penny was the VP at at Macy's, and then she was a chief merchant at Metro Retail. And Joe is, in fact, our financial advisor. He had been CFOs of four different public companies, and uh, he's he's backing us out in the financial realm. And uh, we also have two interns from Kent Fashion School and FIT. Very, very diverse team. Shout out to Rigney Hallie, Kiara, Kayla, many of these individuals like who has brought us to where we are today.
0: After you've secured this next round of funding, do you guys have plans to expand the team and, and to bring on more people? Initially, we would bring uh, like we are we are taking it slow. We
1: need to make sure that we are able to deliver the service uh, that we are providing with high quality to our existing customer base. That's where our first funding would go, making sure that it's all set before we start running and growing so that's when we'll are hiring more but we have the right kind of team ingredients right now
0: dip it certainly sounds so i want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on chicago capital this was an absolute blast i think i can speak for everybody listening we cannot wait to see what's next for neural trend and we're absolutely all going to be rooting for you so thank you again for coming on thank you so much Matt. appreciate it If you are a founder seeking venture capital investment at the pre-seed through Series A stage, check out Manifold Group. We're a venture holding company based in Chicago with offices in Dallas, Los Angeles, and soon Atlantic Canada. We believe early stage private investments represent an excellent investment opportunity, but existing investment models in the space leave much to be desired. Manifold is a new model for growth in the new economy designed to create and capture value at the early stage through synergies across its venture fund, incubation and acceleration, studio and advisory firm. Learn more about Manifold at www.manifold.group and please tune in for the next Chicago Capital episode.